As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody. What's up? And welcome in to the Daily Dingue presented by BetMGM. I am Michael Beller, joined, of course, by Brian Bennett here on night two of the Elite Eight. We've got our first two teams into the Final Four, Baylor and Houston, punching their tickets to Indy last night. Two more teams will join them and round out our final four, Brian, uh, two fun games uh, yesterday. And I love, I'm loving, 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 loving this schedule that we have here in 2021 with these Elite Eight games in prime time on Monday and Tuesday. It was great last night. I'm looking forward to these games tonight. A one and a six, a one and 11, not necessarily what we expected, but I think we're going to get ourselves two pretty good games. How are you doing today? Doing great, and I want to point out that our best bets yesterday went 3-0. and I was 2-0 and yes. after a horrible showing last weekend. <laughs> Dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> Theoretical in my case, of course, but uh, still, you know, we did pretty well. So uh, let's bring it on. See if we can continue the hot streak. Yeah, I told you, man. You were the the, the hitter who went over four, a couple of strikeouts one night, and then you come back with a two homer night the very next day. As you said, three and zero, two and zero in the first game, and then Baylor and Arkansas pushing us over, made me sweat it out. I felt very good at halftime. They made me sweat, <laughs> made me work for it. I guess they worked for it, and I just sat there and. Hoped they would work for it, but we got there. We got to the over, so a 3-0 and night in night one of the Elite Eight. Let's see if we can do the same and duplicate our efforts here on night two. Let's take a look at these Elite Eight games that we've got going for us here tonight, Brian. First, let's start in the West region. The first game of the night, Gonzaga and USC. Gonzaga, eight-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. 153 is the over-under here. So a lot of faith being put in that Gonzaga offense, maybe not quite so much in the USC defense if we are going to play this to 153. And that's you know what we're expecting. On paper, that would suggest what we should be looking for in this game. We know what Gonzaga's offense is. We know how ruthlessly efficient it is. We know that USC on paper seems to have the formula to be the type of team that can slow Gonzaga down enough and then do what they do offensively to not only stay within the eight and a half, but maybe even pull off an upset. We'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. But how do you look at this game as you're getting prepared for it tonight? Super excited for this one. Should be a ton of fun. We've got two top five picks on the floor, potentially three lottery picks in total. Mm -hmm. And you look at USC, and if you start thinking about the type of team that can beat Gonzaga, 
and no one's done it this year, so there is no model for it. But when you start thinking about what types of teams might give them trouble, I always think about a team that has a really good big man inside, one who yep. can maybe neutralize Drew Timmy a, a little bit. Of course, you've got Evan Mobley, one of the best, maybe the best interior defensive player in the country this year. Uh, as a team, USC is super long. They've got some good depth in the front court. Gonzaga, not real deep up front after Drew Timmy. USC, number two in the country in two-point – or best in the country in two-point defense, excuse me. Uh, and, you know, they, they've been playing very well themselves offensively, 60% on threes the last two games combined. And you also need to slow down Gonzaga's transition games. They're so mm-hmm. good at getting out in the open floor. Michael, USC has given up 15 total fast break points in the last two games. So everything USC has been doing – uh, points to the fact that they could stay in this game. It's a big difference getting in there and actually stopping Gonzaga, but they've also got, you know, kind of a funky matchup zone going that is changing looks. And that's another another good uh, thing to throw at Gonzaga to maybe just make them think a little bit. So I, I think we've got a chance for a really good game. And the fact that this spread isn't double digits already <laughs> makes you think that the Sharps think that too. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, yesterday uh, with uh, with Seamus McGee from BetMGM, who we'll talk about it with uh, in a little bit coming up here. And I surmised off the top of my head as we were talking about it yesterday that the last time Gonzaga wasn't favored by double digits was against Iowa uh, way back when they played in December. Uh, I think it was actually against Virginia a week later. Uh, and that was a game they won by 23. They beat Iowa by 11. I mean, this is a team that has, you know, rolled through every team they played. And you can say all you want about the West Coast Conference, but BYU got into the tournament as an at-large team and comfortably so as a sixth seed. And then, of course, uh, this team played a very tough non-conference schedule with the game against Iowa, Virginia, Kansas, Auburn, wins across the line. We would have seen a Gonzaga-Baylor earlier, a game earlier in the season had it not been for COVID issues. Maybe we will see that a couple or a week from now in the national championship game. I like. I want to believe. I want to believe this is going to be a game that can play to the script that USC uh, has set out for itself, and that this will be a game that stays close. But I still just come back to how ruthlessly efficient Gonzaga has been on offense all season long. And I was looking through their game logs earlier this morning. Seventy-three points was their low output of the season in one of their three wins or one of their two wins, excuse me, against St. Mary's. We know how St. Mary's plays. They're a team that's going to slow it down, use all the clock it can on offense. They held Gonzaga to seventy-three points. That's great. 1.09 points per possession for Gonzaga in that game. So the efficiency feels like it's just always there for them. And that's why I still like them laying the eight and a half. I know every, every Mobley, right? I mean, he should be the anchor of a team that can slow down Gonzaga or at least keep them in check somewhat. But I just can't get away from the fact that this Gonzaga team has taken every challenge and sort of brushed it off, right? I mean, they've barely yeah. been challenged. You can go back to the WCC championship game against BYU when they gave up like 51 points in the first half and were down going into halftime. And they come out and just cruise and they win that game going away. And if you didn't actually watch it and just saw the final score afterwards, you'd be like, oh, yeah. 14-point victory for Gonzaga. That makes sense. And so the fact that they've taken all these challenges this season and brushed them off with barely a scratch, I love what USC's done to this point. I love the challenge that it seems like they can provide. But I am on Gonzaga minus 8.5. This is a wager that I will be placing. Uh, Anything for you, or is this a stay away? Probably a stay away for me just because of the potential of USC here. Also, I'm really interested in seeing what happens if Gonzaga actually gets some game pressure on it in the second half really hasn't had that all season long. If this is a two possession game with five minutes to go, it's going to be really interesting to see how Gonzaga responds to that. But another advantage they have, Mark Pope said it in Brian Hamilton's story uh, that he wrote for the athletic. You should check that one out. But he said his best passing team he's ever seen 
And I think that uh, explains a lot of Gonzaga. But I, I would stay away um, from the spread. Uh, I may go with the over just because Gonzaga is liable to put up 80 points on anyone. USC is more of a team that likes to play in the 70s, generally speaking. But if you could get, you know, an 82-75 game or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you probably cruise past that over. But I'm probably just staying away, going to watch and enjoy. Yep. Well, uh, the second game, you gave me a little bit of a teaser yesterday. I don't know if you're going to necessarily stay away from this one. It's in the East region. We've got Michigan, another one seed, surviving to the Elite Eight. Even without Isaiah Livers, they will be taking on the 11-seeded UCLA Bruins in this game. Six-and-a-half-point favorites are the Michigan Wolverines. 136 is the over-under in this one. Brian, you know where I am. I have been on Michigan (laughs) all tournament long. I said I thought there was a ton of value in them going into the tournament in the futures market because of the fact that they were being written off uh, without Isaiah Livers. This was a team that put itself in the Baylor-Gonzaga conversation. I don't know if we were going to quite put them on the same level, but they were at least part of the conversation, and they made it a tier of three rather than just a tier of two. Yes, Livers was a huge loss, but we have seen this team show up time and time and time again now uh, without him. Remember, their one loss without Isaiah Livers was a one-point loss. The first game they had to play without him against an Ohio State team that was good enough to earn a two-seed. So this Michigan team, not just Isaiah Livers, and what a performance they put on in the Sweet 16 to get past Florida State. Not just get past Florida State, but that was a game that was never in question. From about 10 minutes in, Michigan had total control of that game. Now they go up against this UCLA team that knocked off Alabama to get here. I love Michigan in this game. Are you with me? Are you against me? Well, Michael, you've been riding shotgun in the Michigan bandwagon (laughs) here for the last couple of weeks. Is there any room on there for me? Because I'm I'm ready to jump on on board. (laughs) Yeah, I I will give it up to Michigan. I was a little skeptical coming in just because, as you said, the injury, a little bit of the way they were trending coming into the tournament. But, boy, they've looked impressive. Mm. They've had no trouble with anybody. Really handled a, a good Florida State team with ease. And I love this matchup for them against UCLA, a UCLA team that's, you know, they've been playing great. I, I gave it up to them. I didn't see this coming from UCLA. I think I picked against UCLA in every game, except maybe Abilene Christian. And here they are in the Elite Eight, playing very well, just beat a two seed uh, in fine fashion, a uh, team with some good length and uh, good shooting. But I, I think, uh, well, I think maybe Seamus, who said it yesterday, that you look at the two teams and it's like UCLA is kind of a lighter version of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I just really like Michigan here. I think the size inside. You know, UCLA is really going to need Cody Riley to show up, and he played really well against Alabama, but he can disappear for stretches. They don't have a lot of other big guys to handle Hunter Dickinson inside, so that's a, that's a big-time matchup. But, yeah, I really love Michigan. I was kind of surprised the spread is this low, even as well as UCLA is playing, especially, you know, against the number 11. So, yes, especially when you're talking about the champions of the West playing against UCLA. <laughs> uh, give me Michigan. There you go. Champions of the West, the one team still uh, remaining east of the Mississippi. So uh, uh, sort of straddling uh, the river here and uh, giving us a team uh, that I think ultimately takes down UCLA with what they've shown. I mean, UCLA has made an impressive run to this point, but you look at the the circumstances of how they ended up getting past Alabama, Alabama going 11 of 25 from the free throw line, uh, a dubious overturn of a call, a play against Tiger Campbell that, could have been a charge, wasn't called a charge. I mean, there were a lot of things at the end there that went UCLA's way. And then very impressive showing from the Bruins in overtime. Absolutely dominated that five-minute period. So they've earned their way here. But I think the glass slipper comes off tonight against Michigan. You talk about this being a, a line that you uh, thought would maybe be a little bit bigger. I agree with you. Who better to talk about that than Seamus McGee from BetMGM. Seamus joining us once again here as we're getting ready for our second 
Elite Eight doubleheader. Seamus, I do want to start with the first game of the night. However, Gonzaga and USC, we talked about this with you yesterday, got an early feel for it. Over the last 24 hours, how has the market treated this game? So uh, yesterday, it, we were still sitting at nine, and now we're down to minus eight and a half on Gonzaga. So some sharp money still coming in there. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of the tickets are still coming in on USC for the money line. 68% of our tickets on the money line are on USC. Only 45% of the handle, though. Um, Gonzaga minus nine actually has the majority of the tickets, and it's about 50-50 split on the handle there. But we saw some sharp enough action to go down to minus eight and a half. So it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. And we haven't really seen too much news with the total there. Still sticking at 153. So not much to report there. Shame. It's kind of the same question on Michigan UCLA. And I, I just mentioned, I thought the line was a little surprising to me, especially a one versus an 11, but uh, where, where did you, where have you guys seen that kind of move here in the last 24 hours? So, Within the last 24 hours, this is a very interesting line here because we've seen nothing but a lot of heavy public action coming in on Michigan. But lines come down to minus six and a half. So sharps sharps are coming in on UCLA and uh, the money keeps coming in from the public on Michigan. Uh, and then same thing with the total as well. It's uh, not moving all that much, but definitely from the book, it looks like we're going to need UCLA here with the amount of public action coming in on Michigan. You talk about the way these two lines have moved over the last 24 hours, and it sounds like uh, the Sharps are on both dogs here. And with the, line, the way the, the ticket split, the handle split, and the way the lines have moved, has it been a significant difference from either of these teams or any of these teams' first couple of games? I mean, obviously we expect to see a little bit more public money on the favorite, a little bit more sharp money on the underdog, especially when the spreads are getting out to this size. That's just something – that feels kind of natural here, especially with some of the headline-grabbing favorites that we have, Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, yesterday. Has that diverged from what we've seen from UCL, UCLA games or USC games of the past couple of rounds? I remember UCLA, the play-in game, we made. We had a very good day when they beat Michigan <laughs> State outright. I don't remember seeing a single UCLA ticket on that game. <laughs> and uh, But since then, I mean, it's been pretty split, I'd say on UCLA coming in Gonzaga, the public's just been riding Gonzaga yeah. just every single round uh, Florida state. I think there was a bit of a split there. I think you were right. The Isaiah livers uh, news coming out. A lot of people were hesitant uh, betting mission, but the way they played against Florida state, I think uh, really impressed the public. So we've seen a lot of money coming in on them now, but uh, it's been pretty consistent. I'd say for, most of these teams coming in, maybe with the exception of uh, Michigan. Seamus, as we take this, we're a little less than five hours from the tip of the first game. What will you be watching here in the next few hours in terms of lines or spreads or tickets or anything like that? Well, uh, I'm going to be looking for sharp actions to be coming in late. I have a feeling because I can already see some juice moving around at different other books on this UCLA Michigan game, for example. Uh, I don't expect much injury news to be coming out that'll really shake up any lines. It would be very surprising, I think, at this point. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have my eyes on the the bet scrollers, uh, what the market's doing, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I th- I don't think these lines are done moving for the most part. I think mm-hmm. those there's going to be a, a late push maybe on both of these games. So we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, right. I mean, we're, we're running out of games here, right? We've got these two. We've got three Final Four weekends, so we're running out of college basketball to bet on uh, in this 2020-2021 season. So definitely expect some things to roll in over these next couple of hours. Uh, one more question for you here, Seamus, before we let you go. We've got one Final Four matchup already set, Baylor and Houston. Uh, early line, last I saw, was Baylor minus five. What can you tell us about just about an early read of this game, how you guys set the line and how the market is shaping up in the what 12, 18 hours since this matchup has been set. Yeah, this was an interesting one to handicap here because, you know, you've Houston, a team that's, you know, the strength of schedule coming into the season wasn't great to begin with. And then they don't even get a single digit <laughs> seed on their way to the final four. <laughs> and then Baylor looks like they're about to blow Arkansas out of the water. And then that ends up becoming a game. So, we hung five and uh, hasn't really moved yet. Uh, starting to see some Baylor money come in within the last few hours, though. Uh, so we're definitely going to keep an eye on that. Um, I think uh, most of the action today, obviously, is going to come in the, the first two games. But we'll see if that line moves anywhere a, anywhere today. But, yeah, still sitting at five. Total still, uh, Pat. But it, it's been decent two-way action since we hung the number. All right, so setting it at a comfortable five with money coming in on both sides of that first Final Four matchup that we have set between Baylor and Houston. That is Seamus McGee from BetMGM. Seamus, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the games tonight. Will do. You guys too. Thanks. All right. Of course, you know, if you've been watching Ding You or listening to us on the podcast, we've got a partnership going with BetMGM right now, bringing you the best exclusive offer to bet alongside us and win. We are offering listeners of the Daily Ding and the Daily Ding You a risk-free first bet up to $600. Just sign up at BetMGM.com and use the bonus code DAILYDING to take advantage of the special offer from the king of sportsbooks. For new customers, it's a risk-free first bet up to $600 at BetMGM.com with the bonus code Daily ding. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Um, all right, Brian, let's go. What's what's CJ Moore doing on my screen? CJ, get <laughs> out of here. We're not coming to you yet. I don't want to. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you yet. We'll save you for a little later. Right now, I want to talk to Eamon Brennan and Brendan <laughs> Quinn. Eamon and Brendan been joining us, of course, all tournament long. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for, for being willing to join us on uh, so many episodes of the Daily Ding You. Uh, Brendan, I'm first going to go to you. Michigan, and it was uh, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Big Ten and, you know, are they going to be able to break the streak? And we were talking about this Michigan team looking like the best one during the regular season, but no Isaiah Lairs. Can they represent and carry the flag for the Big Ten? They certainly have done that to this point totally shut down Florida State offensively. What do you think this defense does within a matchup against Jaime Jaquez and Johnny Juzang, two guys who have carried UCLA to this point? First of all, are we 
Do we know if is CJ okay? That was uh, that was old. Get him out of here. Get that him. Was old blooded man. Damn. Just right out of here. Um, yeah, I mean, so the the matchup with UCLA is is an interesting one. The 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 question of you know, the way they they play slow and kind of want to force you into playing their way, and it has worked, but it's also worked with a smattering of pixie dust or something you know teams are shooting 60 percent at the foul line against them teams are shooting 20 something percent on threes against ucla um you know i feel like you'd probably need something like that from michigan like michigan needs to beat itself at least a little bit i think in in this matchup um or at least not shoot the way that it it has been so um the thing with michigan though is it can play both ways you know if you want to play up pace and, and, and get a game up into the possessions, you know, 72 possessions, something like that. Michigan can play that way and still um, manage to keep its head about it and, and play, you know, it's it still value its possessions. If you go slow, you can play that way too. You know, 64 possession game, it can do that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you know, Michigan just is more talented, but at the same time, UCLA is – kind of an, uh, an 11 seed in disguise only. It's a bunch of top 50 guys, you know, who <laughs> just had a four-game losing streak at the end of the year to four NCAA tournament teams. It's not really an 11 seed. For sure. You know, we treated CJ kind of like uh, USC treated Kansas a minute ago. Uh, and <laughs> even let's talk about those Trojans. Uh, you know, they're maybe the best defensive team Gonzaga has played. You can make an argument on that for sure. Uh, you know, we were talking at the top of the show about how this might be the type of team that can beat Gonzaga, just given the way they play, their interior defense, their matchup zone, all those different things. And they play with a slow play, pace too, I think 234th and tempo. Is this a game that USC can win defensively and by slowing it down? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, I think you look at sort of the things you would cook up um, in theory to give Gonzaga some real issues and you'd like to have an extremely long seven foot center who's also mobile and a top three pick skill wise they have that in Evan Mobley I, I don't think there's probably there isn't a player in the country who's better suited to playing against Drew Timmy um, because Drew Timmy is for all of his skill around the rim and all of his ability to create buckets um, from little spin moves and good footwork and all that sort of stuff He's also like a really mobile guy who gets around the floor well, can step out a little bit, can create space underneath the rim for other guys to come in. And you, with Evan Mobley, you won't have to double. Like, I'd be shocked if you, you USC ever doubles. Also playing in the zone, it's going to be really difficult to create one-on-one post matchups anyway, um, where, where Timmy won't have two or three guys around him sort of by default. And because USC is as athletic as it is, because it can get around the floors as well as it does on the defensive end, particularly in that zone, um, you would think that it matches up pretty well with Gonzaga's personnel where you have Drew Timmy and then a bunch of guys kind of, you know, Jalen Suggs is a point guard. Andrew Nemhart is in theory a point guard. Joel Ayayi is a wing kind of. Corey Kisper is a wing kind of. But they all kind of float around and do similar things. They can all handle. They can all shoot. Um it's really hard to match up with that team. And we saw that with, with Creighton. If you just play Gonzaga straight up in the way that you would play any other team, um, they'll just completely demolish you. But I think giving them a zone look, giving them giving them Evan Mobley in the middle, giving them some athletic sort of stoppers, 
who can move on the wing. Um, yeah, you, you look at USC and they're kind of set up defensively in a way to make Gonzaga think and work harder than it has pretty much for, you know, since November, um, December, maybe even before that. This might be the toughest game they've played all season. Yeah, right. Virginia, uh, back in that December game, they obviously had to slow it down a little bit in games with St. Mary's, but this is definitely looking like the toughest defensive test that uh, that uh, Gonzaga will have faced all season. Brendan, uh, Michigan has done just an excellent job uh, replacing Isaiah Livers' production, doing it mostly with an all-hands-on-deck uh, approach, in addition, of course, to Hunter Dickinson. In the second round against LSU, you've got Eli Brooks going off for a big game against Florida State. It was Franz Wagner and Brandon Johns. Who's the most important player in this matchup with UCLA, not named Hunter Dickinson? Hmm. You know, in terms of the replacing, replacing uh, livers, Brandon Johns has been just randomly been shockingly productive. Uh, basically the best three games of a three-year college career all in succession. Um, you don't need – uh, you know, a lot of scoring out of Brandon Johns, but you need 25 minutes of defensive rebounding, some protect, protecting the rim, things like that. Um, but in terms of this matchup, you know, it, it feels like when you're in the Elite Eight, you want your best players. This is probably very simplistic from a very simplistic man. But um, when you're in the Elite Eight with a chance to go to the Final Four, I think you want your best player to have his best game, and that'd be Franz Wagner. So – between the matchup defensively against UCLA's wings, um, and he's going to be playing, you know, 36 minutes in this game. Today's a good day for, for Franz Wagner to have, I, I think, kind of a, a definitive performance in, in the NCAA tournament. Um, had a nice game. The last game was kind of a no-show until the final seven minutes against LSU. You know, 40 minutes um, from, from Wagner, I think, is, is a pretty good starting point for – for Michigan's road to, well, I guess, still Indianapolis, but sticking around <laughs> for another week. We'll say. Yeah, and even back to the USC for a moment, we, we talk a lot about their defense, rightfully so. They've also been on fire offensively here in the last two games, I think 57% overall from the field, 60% from three. Tajidi is playing out of his mind. Uh, I don't know that they've played this well offensively all year, but you know, what do they need to do on the offensive end you know, stick with Gonzaga and can they, can they keep this up offensively? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, we've seen sort of their, their best offensive self all tournament and it's the same actually before the Oregon game, I went back and watched the first Oregon USC game back on February 22nd to kind of try and get some sort of feel for how that game would play out and preview it a little bit. And what we saw that night was basically what we've seen from USC throughout the tournament and they blew Oregon out and it was Oregon's only loss in the last like two months of the season. Um, until they got to the uh, Pac-12 tournament anyway. The the combination of Tajidi, like, su- you know, his sort of herky-jerky, super quick, able to find open threes on the perimeter um, with a quick release and giving defenders a lot of issues to where, the, you know, you Oregon, a pretty good defensive team on the, on the perimeter, a really active one, couldn't get anywhere close to him in either game, really. Um, that combined with great offensive rebounding, with you know both Mobley brothers, particularly Evan, um, but Isaiah Mobley is a great re- offensive rebounder too. Isaiah White is a great offensive rebounder who also gives now apparently out of nowhere kind of uh, perimeter shooting as well. So the yeah again you know I don't think USC's offense has been its strength. I think that they can um, 
particularly throughout the regular season, they can have a lot of dead possessions, empty possessions where the ball just kind of stagnates. If you can, I think if you can keep Tajidi in front um, and guard him like a team like Baylor would, you would think would Edie would have a really tough time against, against the, those guards. I think Gonzaga can present some similar issues. I think they're an underrated defensive team in general, but I think once the ball goes up, if UFC is getting a lot of offensive rebounds and if Corey Kispert can't keep whichever of the other forwards or Joel Ayayi can't keep, you know, Isaiah Mobley and, and Isaiah White off the glass, or if Evan Mobley's just dominating the game physically in general, then USC is going to create a lot of extra possessions, a lot of extra shots. Their shot volume is going to be high. And even if they aren't executing at a high level, you can totally see how they'll stay in the game offensively um, combined with their ability to, to make Gonzaga at least work um, on the other end of the floor. So yeah, once again, it's, it's maybe not as bad or as unideal of a matchup for Gonzaga as, as their sort of offense will have to face against the USC defense, at least in theory. Um, but it's definitely one that I think will give Mark Few and his staff a lot of pause and they'll be hammering the importance of defensive rebounding because I think that's where the game will be won or lost for, for Gonzaga on the defensive end couple of fun games ahead of us tonight and perhaps the most interest we've had in college basketball in Los Angeles since the Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook days back at UCLA. Brendan Quinn and Eamon Brennan, thanks again for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. Enjoy the games. Thanks, guys. Yes. All right. Now CJ's waited his turn. We threw him off screen. We're ready to bring him back on. Assuming he's still wanting you still you still down, CJ? You all right? Still You're ready such, to talk to us a little bit? You're such a jerk, Beller. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, thank you, CJ. Thank you for, for not being too chagrined by uh, by us throwing you out of here a couple of minutes ago. Let's talk about these games. Uh, Brian and I have given our, our, our viewpoint on these games. Uh, let's start with the first one, Gonzaga, USC. We've already talked a lot about how these teams match up, about what's interesting and not necessarily too interesting when you consider the number with Gonzaga favored by eight and a half. As you're sitting and thinking about this game and thinking about what your pick's going to be, what are you most considering uh, for this matchup uh, for both sides? I think I'm considering what's it look like when Gonzaga's on offense and when USC's on defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. that you know that zone defense has kind of given people problems. So I go to Synergy today and I look and see, you know, what's what's Gonzaga done against his zone defense? And not not shockingly, they're number two in the country zone efficiency. <laughs> 1.313 points per possession. That's really, 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 really ridiculously good. And I, I think they have a guy in Andrew Nimhard who you can throw in the middle of a zone and can kind of, you know, pick it apart. So, and they're a really, really good passing team, great shooting team. Um, and then, you know, you got a guy like Jalen Suggs who can attack the seams off the dribble. So I think Gonzaga's built really well to attack that zone. Now, a regular zone is not a USC zone with all that length and athleticism. So that's kind of where I focus. I think at some point USC is going to come a little bit back to earth as, as far as their offense goes. So, you know, that line is fairly hefty, but I, I think I'd, I'd lean towards the Gonzaga side. Yeah. CJ, I was talking about this earlier, but we just haven't seen Gonzaga play with a lot of game pressure really all season, mm-hmm. maybe a couple times against BYU in the second half, WCC title game. But even then that was over pretty quickly. And, you know, if they're going to win a national title and go undefeated, they're likely going to have to beat USC, potentially Michigan, and then Baylor or Houston. We're talking about teams that are two, three, four, and six and Ken Palm. So do you mm-hmm. think they need a, a close game here or do they need to – how do they think they will respond if they do get in one of these tight games late? I mean, ideally you just you just keep beating, beating people by double digits. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. 
Yeah. I think they saw some game pressure against BYU, the, the way that game started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the thing for me this year, like, I feel like anytime Gonzaga plays an opponent that is like worthy of their attention, you bet Gonzaga because they've looked great in games that like really matter. So um, that that's why I'd lean the, the Zags in this game. And also, like, USC was good this year. But let's be honest, like, USC's been playing over at skis, right? Like, this isn't bit. the USC team we saw in the regular season. Now teams develop and get better and guys get confident. So, um, you know, Isaiah Mobley could potentially be a matchup problem just because Gonzaga plays small. But I, I just – I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing USC – actually winning this game but in a 40 minute game like i keep you know i always remind people in a 40 minute game it's not best of seven anything could happen mm-hmm. and usc definitely has enough talent to, to get it done um, i just like gonzaga's ability to attack that zone and then if they go man like their ability to attack a man too yeah you go back to uh, their game gonzaga's game that is against virginia earlier in the season refs it a few times and i think it's instructive right this is another team with a strong defensive identity knows exactly what it wants to do wants to slow down the game Gonzaga put up 44 points in the first half. They led 44 to 31 at halftime and scored 1.42 points per possession. Much easier said than done, no matter how good your defense is and how strong, how efficient you can be on that end of the floor to slow down this Gonzaga team. Let's flip it over to the nightcap here. CJ Michigan minus six and a half against UCLA. I firmly am on the side of the glass slipper coming off for UCLA in this game. I think that this is just too much Michigan, too much talent. And frankly, you know, uh, UCLA, a little bit fortunate to be here considering uh, Alabama's free throw shooting in their uh, Sweet 16 meeting. And I would, uh, you know, the basketball fan of me would have liked to have seen Michigan and Alabama here. We've got Michigan and UCLA. What's your take on this one? Yeah, I I think, you know, I've kind of felt like looking at all these games that this might end up being the best Elite Eight game. Mm-hmm. Although I lean Michigan just because, like, that number is not necessarily big enough for me to, you know, because I think Michigan's going to win. And that's a really, really tight window, right, to say UCLA could cover. So so I would lean Michigan. I just don't know that UCLA has anybody to deal with Hunter Dickinson. Like, yep. like who, do, how, who they throw at him. And if they double team him, he's a really, really good passer, and Michigan's really good at playing out of that. So – that that's that's my problem for UCLA. And then the other thing with UCLA, I think that they've been able to be a matchup problem for for teams in the NCAA tournament. Now, not necessarily Alabama, but but the, the rounds before with their big wings. And if they could maybe isolate whoever Eli Brooks is guarding on the, you know Eli Brooks and, and kind of go at him, maybe that's mm-hmm. a matchup they could exploit. But you know Michigan is pretty good size when you take you know outside of those two small guards with a guy like like I think Franz Wagner is really important in this game. Like Brendan said, I think he has to have a good game, and I think he will. Like, I, I freaking love that dude. <laughs> um, I, I think Michigan is one of the smartest teams in college basketball and has just been has kind of shown that in this NCAA tournament. Like, they'll, they'll get down in games, but they just figure it out. They make adjustments to figure it out. You know, there was um, – they, they, like, went to some high-low stuff in the last round against Florida State. They've just done a really, really good job. The coaching staff and the players of whenever they get maybe a little bit of a bind, they figure it out and they don't panic. So um, that, that's why I like Michigan in this game. But it, but if you were like to take a team that you felt like was going to cover, um, I, I've honestly kind of felt like the favorites would, would win all of these. 
I, I thought, you know, Houston, if you were on Houston last night, I think that would have been a bad beat because because I believe Oregon State ended up covering that one, right? Yep, they did. Um, I had but, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that would have been a bad beat. I think, this, I think this UCLA game could be one that's maybe closer throughout, but Michigan pulls away at the end. Wasn't a bad beat. It was a wonderfully smart <laughs> bet on my part. <laughs> uh, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, one more uh, on UCLA. You know they lead the country in hair. I think they certainly yeah. see a tournament, which I enjoy. But if you were to design a way that they could win this game, you know, other than hitting some more of those crazy contested shots that they've been hitting the last few games, what, what do you see as a, as a key for the Bruins to, to keep this close and potentially pull it off? Well, I th- I think you need Michigan to not hit three ball that well, um, which is something they've. That UCLA has kind of been able to do right. The teams haven't been shooting it well from deep against them, and and a couple of those big wings like have to get going and have to get off, um, and th- and then I think you're somehow able to, you know, maybe you're able to guard Hunter Dickinson one on one, or you you somehow throw some kind of look at him that confuses him and gets him off, um, maybe gets him in foul trouble. You know, I I, I could see it maybe trying to drive at him and, and get some foul trouble, but he's he's a really really smart defender and does a good job of walling up. So, um, like those those UCLA wings, like they're good enough to to take over a game and, and go nuts. I just trust Michigan more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. But uh, Wagner, Hakez, Wagner, Juzang. I mean, whatever that mat- matchup ends up being, that's going to be uh, something to isolate on in this game tonight. CJ Moore, thanks for sticking around. We isolated <laughs> on you eventually. Don't yeah. shake your head at me. Be happy. I was, it's all I good. I'm supposed to talk to Scott Drew this afternoon. I was just kind of hoping he'd call us. So <laughs> right off. Hey, bring him on the show. Bring him on the show for the final four. We'll talk to. We'll be happy to talk to Scott Drew on Friday or something. Hook that up for us. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, uh, we'll yeah. see you, CJ. All right, Brian. You said it right up the top. Three and zero yesterday in our best bets. Let's do the same here today. Maybe two and zero, whatever it might be. But let's go something and zero. In our best bets, what do you got? Michigan, UCLA, Gonzaga, USC, sides, totals. What's the best play for tonight? Definitely taking Michigan. Love that line. We talked about it a lot. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover. And I'm going to take the Michigan, UCLA over as well, 135 and a half. I think Michigan can probably get to 75, 80 in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's, that's where I'm rolling. I'm not putting any money on the other game. Just going to enjoy it, as I said. <laughs> How about you, Michael? Yeah, well, I've already got uh, two legs of a four-leg Moneyline favorite parlay completed. So uh, got, I've already got a little bit riding on Gonzaga and Michigan. Those are just money lines. So uh, hopefully those come through for me. I think these two favorites are just flat-out better teams. And sometimes, I, I've said it a few times on this show, sometimes it really just does come down to that. We can talk about this angle and this scheme and this sort of efficiency versus that sort of efficiency. I just think Gonzaga and Michigan are comfortably better teams than USC and UCLA. And I think we are going to see those favorites bring that superiority to bear in these games tonight. I think my favorite bet is Gonzaga minus eight and a half. They just, they just haven't been challenged and they have not lacked for competition and they've taken care of every single comer that has come their way this season. I think they do that again against a very good USC team tonight, Michigan minus six and a half. That'll be my second favorite play. So we've got a couple of Michigan minus six and a half, a Gonzaga minus eight and a half, and a Michigan-UCLA over 135.5 are three recommended plays of the day. Feeling good, Brian. Uh, <laughs> feeling good, Brian. Brian, you got so many of these <laughs> names that cross me over. Feeling good, yes. Brian, going into these games tonight. <laughs> I love it. And let's get these uh, last two Final Four teams in and, and be ready for the weekend. 
Let's get it. We can uh, start talking about the final four. Daily Ding, you will be back with you on Thursday to reset the final four. Friday, we will actually take a nitty-gritty look at those final four games. So thank you to everyone who is watching us on the live stream. We appreciate it. Thank you to those of you who are watching later. Be sure to check those lines. As Seamus McGee said, things are going to be changing over these next couple hours. So be sure you check those lines and see how they have changed. And everyone listening on the Daily Ding podcast feed as well. We appreciate it. Thank you to Seamus McGee, to Brendan Quinn, to Eamon Brandon, and to our buddy CJ Moore. For Brian Bennett, I am Michael Beller. Daily Ding you back with you on Thursday. Good luck tonight and enjoy the games.